Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome along to Rugby Pass Short Ball. It's Scotty Stevenson and Mills Moliaina with you as always. Good morning, Mills. Good morning, Sumo. Oh, I don't know whether to go back or look forward or maybe a bit of both today on the pod. We, we probably need to discuss a few things we haven't had a chance to catch up on. Uh, first of all, you think they're still dining out on Ireland's win in the Six Nations? <laughs> Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> How funny was it that she fell on bloody St. Paddy's Day too, wasn't it? Hey? So, that's the greatest thing of all time, right? A, oh. An Irish victory... Against England on St. Patrick's Day. You, yeah. c- you couldn't hope for more. Uh, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of soul searching. There's a lot of talk about Eddie Jones because I think we've talked about it before on this podcast. Uh, there's always a risk when you are such a dominant personality, mm. uh, when you have such a big ego that it's all about you and not about your rugby team. And even in the wake of that defeat, there's been not much chat about the rugby team. It's been about has Eddie Jones come to the end of the road here? How do you, what do you think about? First of all, England's fifth place in the Six Nations, their worst in an extraordinarily long time. And secondly, about Eddie Jones and the way he set himself up here because he has set himself up to fail by being the dominant personality in the team. Yeah, I mean, what a difference of a year makes, doesn't it? I mean, he's come in, changed a whole heap of stuff, was pretty dominant, and we were sitting here thinking, you know, when is, when is it the, the All Blacks turn to play them, the two best teams in the world, and all of a sudden... Yeah. All of a sudden, you're a curtain raiser to the Irish test, right? (laughs) The thing about it, to me, I mean, I think the England game against the All Blacks is still going to be the most anticipated test of this tour for for any number of reasons, but but basically because this game can be boiled down to Steve Hansen against Eddie Jones. Jones. It concerns me that it's become a coaching battle and not a team battle, and and I think that has an impact on the team because. These guys aren't silly. They've been around a long time. They're watching all the subtexts and the byplay here. And uh, and this really is, it has been for a while. It's been an obsession for both coaches, I think. Oh, it's been brewing for a wee while. The, the, the question is now, okay, let's just say, and I don't think this is going to happen, the All Blacks play England, England win. Does this, would this save Eddie Jones? Is this what he needs? Well... It's probably become more imperative for him now, right, after this finish in the Six Nations. And the Six Nations is an annual contest. England last played New Zealand when? 700 years ago, a long time ago. So 
I don't know if the one-off will assuage all the concerns around Eddie Jones, but certainly he's pitched it. He wants the game. He wants to prove that he's the best team in the world. The only way you do that is by beating mm. the number one team in the world, which happens to be the All Blacks at the moment. So, yeah, I guess there's still all of that riding on it. But does he become more circumspect or does Eddie Jones now double down and become <laughs> an even bigger personality, an even bigger mouth? Well, I... <laughs> The thing is, that's that's one of his, I suppose, strengths is that when he's down, he actually comes back fighting, and so he uses that to his advantage. I'm not too sure what's really going on because he hasn't really lost too many personnel in, uh, in, in, in that camp, so perhaps guys are a little bit, uh, I suppose, sick of what he's, you know, how strong of a personality he, he has become. Um, you know, you, you talk about things like the texting and things like that and trying to control um, his players and that, sort of sense so it's just I mean, I mean to go back to my point I think that's his, that's his, one of his strengths that he comes out fighting and uses his lips to do that yeah well that, I mean they do have some injury concerns we know that we, we'll wait till June now until we, we see international rugby back on the menu from an England point of view they've got a tour of South Africa mm. uh, it's going to be a major test for the South Africans as well because we've talked about it at length on this podcast over the time about where they're at internationally um, you know, England would fancy themselves going there in a three-tier series and winning that series at least. Do you think that what would really dent Eddie Jones is to lose that series in South Africa against a Springbok side that hasn't been anywhere near its best over the last three or four years? Well, the South African team also, they've got a lot to prove. New coaching set up. Um, you know, you're sort of seeing glimpses of um, a different sort of game plan within their, their whole super teams. And so... If anything, I mean, it's probably more dangerous that uh, they're actually getting South Africa in this uh, in this sense uh, as it is for England. Uh, so if they do go over there and lose, um, man, there's going to be some pressure on them. Yeah, there is. I mean, he signed up. He was almost given the Kim Jong-un title for life Straight for away, yeah. a while there. Um, What's he got left, like? Is Ten it, years? Is, <laughs> pretty much, right? <laughs> it's a mega deal. Um, so you've got to be careful what you wish for. Um, what, the, the, a lot of the headlines last week, of course, were about comments Eddie Jones had made at various functions about various countries. I, I, do you see any problem with that? I mean, it's all a bit of gamesmanship and a bit of humour. What, what's more concerning for me? I mean, the guy's talking at a private function. I know that he's representing a team and he has a role to fulfil and a responsibility to that role, but... You know, you won't get these guys talking at functions no. and, and using throwaway lines and, and making jokes because they'll be too scared that it'll all be spread across the front page of the tabloids the yep. next day. Um, but, you know, I, I go back to that point. I, I just wonder from here whether Eddie Jones really ramps it up heading into that South African series and, and obviously with a nice still on November. Yeah, the All Blacks are concerned about England. They know that. <laughs> Steve, Steve Hansen does not want to lose this game. No. It, and I think you know from from all that's been that's coming out of the All Black camps while they're doing their health camps, they're actually sort of setting up preparation for um, you know the Rugby World Cup. So a lot of the things that they're looking at trying to implement on the India tour um, is an actual, I suppose, rehearsal for that 2019. Of course, you don't want to lose, and they know how big a stage it is yep. over there. He's, he's lost to England before, um, but yeah, it would be a bit, uh, a, a bit of a sort of step. I wouldn't say a step backwards for for, for Steve Hansen. Yeah, it would hurt him, but I think he's got bigger a bigger picture in mind, right? Yeah, well, he's got to have a bigger picture in mind. It's just on that. Welcome along to the short ball, everyone. If you're just joining us uh, for this episode, Mills Mullian and Scotty Stevenson with you uh, each week, 
Talking issues all New Zealand rugby. Uh, speaking of the All Blacks, I mean, did you think that perhaps uh, through last season there was a predictability about the All Blacks play that that they are going to need to change a few things this year if they want to maintain their place at the top of the heap? Oh, I think um, possibly. Uh, I think there was there was also an aspect of his he threw a lot of players in there that um, you know yeah. got a taste of All Black rugby and what it was going to be about and you know to look into the future. So, but I think you know. They won't want to reinvent the wheel too much, but they want, would want to sort of touch on a, a few aspects of their game that they didn't get quite right. They right. Had a, they, well, they had the first camp Monday, right? Last yeah. last Monday. Um, and I think 19 players. What's intriguing for me is Richie Mwang is currently out injured. Bowden Barrett's your number one first five. Damien McKenzie's only played one game at first five because of injuries at the Chiefs, so Town Falcons had to deputise there. Lima Sopawanga wasn't invited to that camp. Mm. And I spoke to Lemar after the Highlanders' victory over the Crusades and, and, you know, just about him and the way he looks at the moment. He looks very calm, very relaxed. And he said, oh, you know, I've, I've made my peace. You know, I knew when I signed the deal to go at the end of the year that I was handing in my All Blacks jersey. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I think back to the Tawara Kerbalo situation where he was picked right up until he left. Yeah. Uh, are the All Blacks maybe tempted to keep Lemar Sopawanga in the mix and... Um, if you don't want to hypothesise on what they're thinking, what would you do if you were in the same position? Would you keep Lima Sopawanga on the hook, certainly through June and, and right up until he goes? Oh, well, the thing is, uh, um, you know, once he's... I thought they would have, given um, TKB, you know, the, the fact that they, they hung on to him right through until he needed to go. Yeah. But yeah, you're now in a sort of situation where perhaps they thought, you know, Moanga would just step into that role. He's now injured, <laughs> which is probably, you know... Stirred things up a little bit. Sure. Um is playing some good footy, you know, as is the Highlanders. And so if it was me, I'd keep him in there. You know, yeah, you as, would. As your, I mean, yeah. as your third option. Yep. Um, and given the, the injuries that, the, that are happening at the moment with Moanga, he'd probably be the next one off the cab, next cab off the rank. Sure. Uh, and keep him here and, and, and keep that sort of going. I mean, between um, Sopoanga, Moanga, I mean, possibly... Barrett, a Geordie Barrett. I don't know whether he's, he's slotting in there or Damian McKenzie. I mean, he hasn't played a lot of rugby, so perhaps the All Blacks feel that they've got you know the ten sort of covered without having Moanga. Uh, sorry, Supawanga in there. It's brave. It is very brave, especially given the injury rate. You, I just think you wouldn't want to shut that door permanently, would you? Yeah, well, I, I don't know, I'm not, and I'm not too sure about the com- communication he's had with the coaches. Um, perhaps that door still is open. Mm. Um, you know, let's just say McKenzie goes down. Um, you know that that dorm, that that health camp that he might get. Come on down, Lima Sopawanga. Exactly. exactly. Come on down. Uh, let's stay with Super Rugby uh, because we're still a wee way off uh, Test matches in this part of the world. Uh, the Highlanders Crusaders game. I think it lived up to its billing. Millsy, speaking of St Patrick's Day, shit, there were some ropey people walking around the middle of Dunners during the day. <laughs> you would have had a great time down there. No, I didn't go out. I was too scared. <laughs> kicking off like downtown Baghdad. Um, but. Yeah, a great crowd, a boisterous crowd. You know, we, we were talking about the game last week. I think it has firm now as the game, right? Yeah. The rivalry in the comp. Yeah. Um, although uh, we get to look forward this week to the Hurricanes coming off a bye week and uh, Bowden Barrett's engagement party to uh, <laughs> to face the Highlanders at the Cacton. Uh, this is the first time the Highlanders would have been away from home yeah. this season. Yeah. They're up against a team that will be pretty fresh yeah. after a bye and I think the jury's still out whether that's a good or bad thing. Um but uh, this game, I said last week, 
foolishly that no game will ever beat the Crusaders Highlanders <laughs> game this year. Uh, I suspect I'll be proved wrong this weekend. <laughs> I, this this game is so good. It should be a sellout at Westpac. It's got to be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, given the way both teams have sort of travelled, the, the, the beating the Crusaders, who were... We're sitting here a couple of weeks ago thinking, man, there's nothing that these guys, you know, they're not right. phased by anything. Now they're two two losses in a row. Um, you know, the Hurricanes have come off a bye. You know, they'll be really fresh, you know. And, um, you know, you've seen the, the way the Highlanders came back from there by the little bit sort of um, rusty in that first 10 or so minutes since the Stormers, but then they sort of just took off. So it almost was... Uh, you know, refreshing. But this game is going to be huge. I think about the start the Highlanders made at home against the Crusaders, replicating the start the Hurricanes made at home yeah. against the Crusaders. If they both start at that pace on Saturday night, someone's going to die in the opening quarter of the game. It's a ridiculous speed the game's being played at. Oh, it's fast and physical. You know, it's, you know, and a lot of people say, oh, I actually believe it's a lot fast and more physical than when I was back playing. It's unbelievable. All, the, all those years ago, man, was yeah, it? A few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be it's got, it's going to be huge. And so there's, you know, some big battles as well, which I'm looking forward to. I mean, you were just spoken about uh, Sopoanga. Well, look, he's up against the incumbent now, and, you know, Sopoanga's on his way out overseas. So that in itself is, <laughs> is awesome. He'll love this matchup. He'll love playing Bowden Barrett. Here's the thing. The, the Highlanders, I wrote a column on Rugby Pass this week about the Highlanders, and, and, and really... It's an attitude column more than anything. 152 tackles a game they're making, and they've got the best tackle percentage in the comp. So the best tackle percentage after making the most tackles per game, that, that is all attitude. And I don't know what it is about that team, but um, they all just buy in totally to the culture that is expected in Highlanderland, even to the point where Glenn Delaney, Aaron Major, and Mark Hammett, three Cantabrians who are coaching the team, <laughs> All finished cracker stubby in the coach's <laughs> box of uh, of James Spate's finest gold medal ale. <laughs> Is that the most? That's the most Highlanders thing I could think of. The boys cracking a sponsor's product in the coach's box yeah. at full time after a victory. That, now I know people think, oh yeah, whatever. It's just a beer. So it's the symbolism of it all. Yeah, yeah. It, it, what they're trying to show is that yeah, we're in here full noise, mate. There's nothing Canterbury about us anymore. We're, we're Highlanders. Yeah. And everyone on that team feels the same way. Yeah. Like Joey Wheeler. He's not even playing. They've got him back to be, I don't know, like the king of morale. It's insane. Yeah, what, is, what is his role? His role's like, I'm just there to be the up guy. It's so good to do some social media stuff, to do some Highlanders TV stuff, just to be Joey Wheeler. I mean, I love that, right? That's awesome. That is awesome. He's not playing. He's not contracted to actually put on the boots. He's just there to be Joey Wheeler. That's so Highlanders to do something like that. It's oh, great. That's awesome. And it is. It's a reflection of the the, the whole buy-in of the team. And oh, we man. spoke to uh, Elliot Dixon last week. Yeah. You know, about you know, how you know that his his words were. You know, they're not the, the well, most well-known sort of type five, but they sort of love to belt people about. They even belt each other around. And they've been told to sort of calm down a little bit. You know, Well, well he missed a game because he got knocked out in training. Ugh. And that's ridiculous. I, I love that type five. Tom Franklin and Jackson Hemipal, I reckon, are the scariest locking combination in the comp right now. Yeah. And it's not because they're great line-out jumpers. They're, they're good. Uh, they're good scrummages. Yeah. But it's because they absolutely melt people mm. for an entire game. Yeah. And you know those guys. You know, there's no other expectation. They know what they've got to go go out there and do, and they just do it wholeheartedly for their teams. You know, a lot of guys will be going out there trying to do some flashy things. These guys here know what their job is, and they win their lineouts, scrum well, and bout the crap out of the yeah, other team. They're grinders, mate. They're total grinders. And y'all look back at the Hurricanes against the Crusaders, twenty three 
beaten defenders, so basically forcing 23 missed tackles on the Crusaders. The Highlanders forced 29 missed Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tackles on them. Most of them to Vita Lee. Oh. Who, I don't know what he was on, but um, man, he, he must have had six pieces of caffeine gum before that game. <laughs> 134 meters on your own, and, and they were tough meters. They oh, were right mate. through the middle of the park. Yeah. There was nothing orthodox about any one of Tavita Lee's runs oh, in that game. That, that one off the kickoff. He, oh, he had to beat how many, how many forward, uh, forwards players did he have to I beat? Know, right? And then you've got another freak on the other side, and Waisaki Naholo. I mean, far out. The, the battle of the wings alone is worth the price of admission. We saw Ben Lamb up against the Crusaders who backed himself on the outside. We're all watching that game, and, and with all respect to Ben Lamb, we know how quick he is, yeah, yeah. but uh, I think it was widely considered that he might have lost his top-end speed. I mean, the guy absolutely skinned David Harvelli on the outside. Yeah. You can't say that happens very often. Nah, not at all. And, and I thought you know, <coughs> Harvelli had the angle on him as well, and he just skinned him for such a big man. Like somebody... I mean, that's, that's the other thing, mate. The wingers. Oh, the, the size of those... Those boys is absolutely incredible. They're yeah. massive, and now they are going for it as well. Well, switch to the switch to the Hurricanes in just a moment. One more piece about the Highlanders here. Um, a lot of talk during the week, Mills, has been about Ben Smith's captaincy and and whether he uh, influenced any of the decision making out there. I know it got under the Crusaders' skin because the Highlanders were trying to coach Nick Bryant throughout the game. I spoke to Nick Bryant the, the morning after, um, and and he knew there was a bit of talk around that that Ben Smith had actively influenced the decision to go to the TMO on the Jordan Talfua non-try. Um, and he said, oh, look, I was thinking about it at the time anyway. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, Ben Smith, he did cross, I guess, some sort of ethical lines standing in the way of a guy trying to take a conversion, getting up in the grill of the referee. Um, now, I, I say he crossed some sort of line, but is that good captaincy or do you want to see this out of the game? Give the guy a chance to take the conversion and, and just get on with it. Oh, I mean... With the I don't know. I think if I was on Ben Smith's team, that's good captaincy. <laughs> yeah, that's right? right. That's right. I think you've got to you've got to ask those questions, and, you've, and 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 it's just whether you've got a you know a limited sort of time to be able to do that. I mean, whether you stand in front. I mean, you seen it, and um, I think uh, who was it? Uh, when Jones did it over at hundred uh, um, percent. And so, did he cross the line? Well, what other what 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 other um, barriers what are you a, well, to... exactly he's a captain he's allowed to speak to the referee I yeah. think there's just moments in a game and, the, and you've got to you've got to take context into account here I mean a guy's lining up a conversion he should be free to do that yeah yeah you know, only the referee should be able to stop play and say hey mate hang on we're going to have a look at this but 
Uh, I think Matty Todd would learn a big lesson from that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Whitelock would not have let Ben Smith do that. Oh, no. And if he had been out on the field, and, and, and again, this is no disrespect to Matt Todd. I mean, the guy's so tired because he's running around like a headless triple day <laughs> tackling people. Um, Sam Whitelock would have marched straight up and said, hey, that, that's not on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his ability to, 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 I think, to influence referees in a really calm and composed way yes. is really crucial to that Crusaders' effort. So that's the thing to finish this chat about that particular game. Uh, the Crusaders, yes, they've lost two straight, but they've lost two games without Crotty, without Whitelock, two of their best leaders, two of their calmest heads. Mm-hmm. Um, once they get those two guys back, I, I think Crusaders fans will relax a little bit. They'll, yep. they'll be back on track. Do you, oh, do you buy into that? I don't, I don't even think the Crusaders fans are that worried, are they? Uh, I, don't, I doubt it. I, I mean, you know, they've lost two in a row. This, they are probably the team that sort of soaks that up more than any other sort of New Zealand franchise. You know, they've been there uh, before and they won't be panicking. Mm. Um, you're right, get those leaders back and they're a totally different team. And you talk about that, you know, even if, you know, uh, Whitelock had sort of gone over to the ref and sort of just made a point of it, at mm. least it's in the, the, the referee's head that, you know, okay, yeah, I shouldn't let... That that, that's going forward. I know Luke Romano said something to him later in the game, and Luke Romano was deputising his captain when Matt Todd went down injured. And I, I believe Nick Bryan said, "Hey, mate, you're not the captain." And Luke Romano said, "Well, I am now because he's injured." So, <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, it's an interesting part of the game. And you know, speaking to um, Spitoff Supremo Duncan Grieve, you know, he's talking about, you know, are we seeing a change in refereeing philosophically? Are they letting a few things go because the game is so fast, mm. and they feel compelled to? adjudicate games that allow for freedom of movement. Um, I, I wonder, do you, have you noticed anything different about the way referees are responding to certain areas of the game this year compared to last or the uh, year before? I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the referees have been you know, scrutinised over a few big um, you know, decisions. And so perhaps you know, they are sort of, I kind of get the feeling that they're, they're a little bit, there's a little bit more of a personal touch. You know, they are actually talking to players. Mm. Before, they used to just name them by number... 10 or number 9 now they're actually using their names I don't mind that you know they did that they did that a little bit they do that a little bit in the league you know oh they do it all the time in the league yeah, so it's so first name basis exactly I don't I don't mind that sort of stuff because I think you know you're not I mean you're not out there sort of sort of dictating things as a referee you do have to have a personal connection with the, with the players well and you do and people quite often accuse referees of coaching in game yeah. you know giving players warnings uh, I mean I would say this uh, to those who don't like that if referees didn't do that They'd be blowing their whistle two hundred times in the <laughs> yeah, game, yeah. Because every single breakdown, is ruck and more, yeah. is a penalty waiting to happen. Yeah. I mean, you've got to let something go and give guys some a, a fair cop to get out of the way. Yeah. Let's move on to the Hurricanes. Where, where are they at? You think um, from a headspace point of view? You know, the opening game was was a shambles. They looked pretty sloppy against the Haguaris. Uh They turned it all on against the Crusaders. Uh, is, is this a team that we need to take very seriously this year and a genuine title hope? Given that they've got a quality pack, real big bull runners in that pack, and and the backline that you know they keep on putting out a, a great backline. Oh, I think they are. They are definitely quality. They're, they're they're finals contenders, and and they proved that against the Crusaders with the pack that they've got. You know, they put the Crusaders under immense pressure on their own ball. Um, yeah, they were going backwards in a couple of the scrums, but they still managed to have guys like you know um, Lal Mape get them back on the front foot. And so, I just think they're starting to get you know their game. The game together, the balance of their game. You know, Barrett's coming into some nice form, um, having just played two two sort of games. So, 
Um, you know, they are going to be very dangerous, but, you know, against the Highlanders team, they're just going to be defensively. Well, and this is what I was going to ask. I'm glad you brought up La Marpi. Chris Boyd, post-match after the Hurricanes-Crusaders game, said you've got to have a bully in midfield. Yeah. La Marpi's their bully. There's yeah. no doubt about that. How do the Highlanders face La Marpi? Because he's coming straight down Channel 1 all day. Oh, all, all day. Every, and But do you, do you put – I mean, they've got some big – Big guys on the Lucy's that can take care of that. hundred percent. Do you put do you put Luke Whitelock just standing there the whole day? So oh, come at man. me, because Luke Whitelock is burying people. Yeah, on a daily basis. They've lost. I think you know how long's um, Squire out for? He's he's well, going to be up to six weeks. It's the same thumb injury, the same thumb he broke last time. Yeah, um, and you know, so I'm, I suspect he'll need surgery this time. Last time he just let it heal of its own accord. But I, I assume they're going to have to get in there and um, and operate, which is a bit of a bummer for him. So. Yeah, Squire out for potentially up to six weeks. Yeah. But I, I don't think they'd worry too much about that. He, he's irreplaceable in some ways, yeah. but they've got cover there. They have. And so uh, I think, you know, we're talking about the insides and, and looking after that inside channel, but I, I think Lomapa will get a little bit wider, particularly with the two in a, well, relatively inexperienced sort of uh, centres that the Highlanders have got. If that's an area they would, um, that I think they'll target, it'll probably be that. Well, the Highlanders have got to shut them down. And if they shut Lomapa down and manage to... Get him a couple of times behind the game. Yeah, does that change the whole way the Hurricanes have to approach the game? Oh well, it, it'd have to be. Now they probably use uh, the Barrett brothers a, a little bit more, perhaps kick to the Highlanders and then and then try and, and, and defend. I think that's what the balance is. That's what they're starting to get right um, with the influence of um, you know Bowden Barrett um, being able to sort of size those opportunities up and say, well, it's not really on here. Let's just get downtown. But then they're going to have to defend as well. So yeah, well, it's going to be a massive game, mate. It's, well, it certainly is. And uh, to wrap things up on this one, the one matchup that I think is going to be crucial is, is TJ Perinata how he handles Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith, I believe, is the best player in the world right now. The way he has put in performances over the last two or three weeks, oh. it is astounding to watch him play footy, regardless of what you think about the way he celebrates every moment in the game. <laughs> the, the guy's VO2 must be off the charts. His fitness levels are incredible. His accuracy is is unrivaled yeah. in the world. Uh, I know people would say, oh, Conor Murray's not too bad. And he's not, but he's a different player. Smith, at the moment, is just running the cutter. Oh, big time. And doesn't he get him... I mean, he anticipates things so well. You know, the, the way he comes back to the blind and then all of a sudden he's in a really good support line. His passing and his ability to get from a wide ruck... Uh, to the middle, then back out wide again, but still, still deliver an accuracy in his pass and, and that zing in his pass. He's probably got the best pass in the world at the moment. Yeah, 100%. and so and, and in doing that, he's challenging his forwards. He's making, he's, he's sniping around the uh, the rucks a little bit, but he's always upbeat, you know. So I, I can't like disagree with you on that at the moment. He's just playing some great football and possibly is the best football player in the world at the moment. So what is what does TJ need to do? What what do we see in his game at the moment where you think, all right, well. This is where you can beat Aaron Smith in a one-on-one. Because I haven't seen TJ kick a lot this year from no. the box. Uh, Aaron Smith's 28s are pretty much always on point. <laughs> uh, is it going to be a kicking duel between these two halfbacks? Is TJ going to use a bit of his size advantage over Aaron Smith and try and take him around the edge? Be, wh- where do you see Pedernada perhaps having a sniff at, at, at nullifying what Aaron Smith can do? I'd like to see him just not worry about the, the one-on-one battle. Um, you know, I, I, you know, with Pedernada, you know, games like this, he's easily sort of influenced. If someone niggles at him, you know, he'll he'll go away from his game. I think use his forwards, you know, be a real big leader in terms of using his forwards. You know, direct them around the park. You know, get them ball running, and then little opportunities will will come. 
you know, don't, you know, if I was him, I wouldn't sort of go in sort of thinking, you know, it's me against uh, you know, Aaron Smith because already he'll take the focus off yeah. um, off the game. And so, um, but that's what he's got to do. Just direct his forwards around. He's got a big forward pack. He gets those guys running. Um, then all of a sudden opportunities will open up and, and he, he'll take care of those. A couple of other games uh, too. The Blues have the bye this week. Uh, they probably needed that. Um what about the Crusaders-Bulls game? Uh, the Crusaders are now on a bounce back back at home. They know they cannot afford to be beaten on their home track, and really are they. Um, certainly not by a South African side. Are the Bulls a show here? I thought the Bulls showed glimpses oh, of genuine quality against the Chiefs, but um, they just got Brady retallicked in the end. Um, <laughs> they've lost Fun Funfuron, actually, uh, obviously with three-week suspension for trying to decapitate Big Jim. Um, uh, th- this could be... A line in the sand. This game for the Crusaders. Oh yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I, I don't think. I mean, the Bulls. They showed. Um, man, they played some good. I felt for them eh, in, the, in the end because it just couldn't close that game out. I mean, that's very magnanimous of you as a former Chief. Mills, oh, I mean, some of the stuff that they did was, you know, the tries that their back scored. Yeah. Now, I was thinking they were just going to go into this game and just drive the crap out of the the wounded Chiefs. But they, they had some enterprising stuff. Pollard, you know, started to step up. He, yeah. re, he rang the cutter a bit more. Uh, Warwick Halant at the back was pretty good too. Oh man, Rousseau. And so, I mean, mm. they were, they've got some great backs. Uh, whether they're going to go down and win against the Crusaders, I don't think so. So, But um, they're certainly showing glimpses of what they can do. Oh, well, they'll be sweating. We don't know yet whether Ryan Crotty will be back in that mix. Um, obviously, Jack Goodyear got a massive cut on the face as well in that Highlanders game. And, and Sam Whitelock. I, I suspect Sam Whitelock will be back. He only developed symptoms on the Thursday before, oh, yeah. the, before the Saturday game. So... Um, hopefully he's fully recovered for that one. That one Friday night, of course, and then the Chiefs are away to the Sunnies. Sunwolves. Mm. Mm. That's a lay down Mazir, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God bless the Sunwolves, but no. No, nah, no, nah, no, no. No. Yeah, good chat. <laughs> real real good chat. I like that. Uh, that's the Kiwi point of view on Super Rugby. You're on the short ball, and uh, and we'll finish up with some sad news today, uh, Milsey. Um, Dylan Mika, former All Black, uh, former Blues player, uh, a great supporter of secondary schools rugby and a great instigator for change within the Barbarians Club, which does a lot of good work in this country as well. Passed away uh, yesterday, day before, at age of just 45. It's a tragic loss for rugby in this part of the world and his family, obviously, um, and I think for all fans of, of what Dylan Mika brought to the game. What what are your memories of, of Dylan and the things that stand out for you? Oh, he was a fantastic man, kind-hearted, you know, was, was always there sort of to have a, have a chat. Fortunate enough to be able to play uh, in, in some Auckland teams with him, so there is it is some very 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 sad news. And as you say, he was very influential, um, particularly in the New Zealand Barbarians and also in schools rugby. So uh, our, our our hearts go out to his family, in particular Tracy and, and little Marley. So yeah, pretty sad news, mate. He'll be missed. He loved a good night out. Oh, mate. I'll tell you why. They're going about double parking. You cannot drink with that man because you'll be like triple parked with jugs. And so if you don't want to drink, do not stay. you need to stay well clear of Dylan Meeker. Oh, well, he's a, he's a massive loss. And, uh, you know, I just think it's so tragic. And these guys passing away far too early. I think of Normie Berryman and, and Jonah, obviously, and, and, and now Dylan. I mean, it's um, these guys were outsized in every way. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I share your condolences for the family. It's a, it's a real shame for for Dylan's family to lose such a champion man at such a young age. But um, on that very sad note, Millsy, we'll wrap it up for another short ball this week. Looking forward to the action all weekend long, and you can catch all the Super Rugby live on rugbypass.com. We'll see you next week.